Would you turn with me to the 79th Psalm? This has always been a very special psalm to me. Um, it's about the destruction of Jerusalem. And when I read this psalm, it makes me think this is what sin feels like in me. Now think about that as we read this psalm, the 79th psalm. O God, the heathen are come into thine inheritance. Thy holy temple have they defiled. They have laid Jerusalem on heaps. The dead bodies of thy servants have they given to be meat under the fowls of the heaven, the flesh of thy saints under the beasts of the earth. Their blood have they shed like water round about Jerusalem, and there was none to bury them. We are become a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and a derision to them that are round about us. How long, Lord? Wilt thou be angry forever? Shall thy jealousy burn like fire? Pour out thy wrath upon the heathen that have not known thee, upon the kingdoms that have not called upon thy name. But they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his dwelling place. Oh, remember not against us former iniquities. Let thy tender mercies speedily prevent us or go before us. For we are brought very low. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of thy name, and deliver us and purge away our sins for thy name's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is their God? Let him be known among the heathen in our sight by the revenging of the blood of thy servants which is shed. Let the sighing of the prisoner come before thee according to the greatness of thy power. Preserve thou those that are appointed to die and render unto our neighbors sevenfold into their bosom their reproach wherewith they have reproached thee, O Lord. So we thy people and sheep of thy pasture will give thanks Forever, we will show forth thy praise to all generations. Let's pray. Lord, how we give thanks for who you are, for the revelation of yourself, for the gospel of thy blessed Son, for the salvation that's in him. Lord, how we thank you for your word. Lord, accept our thanksgiving. We're so very thankful. 
Bless us with your presence. Cause your gospel to be preached. Lord, forgive us of our sins and cleanse us. Give us grace to each take the lowest seat in the house. Bless us for Christ's sake. In his name we pray. Amen. Now, like I said, this is a a psalm that I have always loved to read when I feel to some measure the weight of my sin. I've loved this 79th psalm. Now, this psalm is about the destruction of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Uh, the details of this destruction are given in 2 Kings 25, 2 Chronicles 36, Jeremiah 39, and Jeremiah 32. Now, look at these first four verses, and you can see what Nebuchadnezzar did uh, to Jerusalem. And I think it's so amazing that Nebuchadnezzar, I believe, was saved during this time. You know, the Lord saves the most unlikely people. Nebuchadnezzar would be one of them. As a matter of fact, Nebuchadnezzar was used to read or, or to write scripture. Look at these first four vo- verses. O God, the heathen are come into thine inheritance. Thy holy temple have they defiled. Talking about the tabernacle, you know, the holy of holies, the place where the blood was brought. They have laid Jerusalem on heaps. The dead bodies of thy servants have they given to be meat unto the fowls of the heaven, the flesh of thy saints, unto the beasts of the earth. They weren't even given a burial. They became carrion for wild beasts. Their blood have they shed like water round about Jerusalem, and there was none to bury them. We are become a reproach to our neighbors and a scorn and derision to them that are round about us. Now, The holy of holies was defiled. Jerusalem was leveled. And like I said, this to me feels like what I feel when the Lord gives me some revelation of my own personal sinfulness. You feel like The heathen have come into the temple and leveled it. They weren't even given a burial. Uh, They're just carrying for vultures and beasts of the earth. And this is how the neighboring nations have come to view them, a reproach, a scorn, and a derision. So these are the people of God. Verse 5. How long, Lord, wilt thou be angry forever? Shall thy jealousy burn like fire? Now, this is a very instructive uh, verse. This tells us that the psalmist says, this is all my fault. I have brought all of this on myself. All my sin is all my fault. I'm not a victim. It's not brought on by bad circumstances or bad luck. All my sin is all my fault. I can't take any refuge in anything. It's all my fault. And your anger is burning because my sin 
is all my fault. Now, this is so important. If I don't take personal responsibility for my sin, now if I'm a victim, if it's not my fault, if it's even the fault of my evil nature, if that makes me think that I'm excusing and saying, well, you know, what do you expect? I'm not really going to ask for mercy. It's only when all my sin is all my fault that I sue for mercy. And that's what he's saying. Notice he talked about all these horrible things that have happened to Jerusalem. And he says, how long, Lord, will thou be angry forever? Shall thy jealousy burn like fire? You know, God is a jealous God. That's said several times in the scripture. He's a jealous God. He's jealous of his honor. He's, he hates idolatry, false views of himself, false gospels, because they're derogatory to him. He's a jealous God. And he says, will your jealousy burn like fire? Then he says in verse 6, pour out thy wrath upon the heathen that have not known thee and upon the kingdoms that have not called upon thy name. Now that's a, a very strong statement. He says, pour out your wrath on people who have not known you. Do you know it's a crime to not know God? It's worthy of death to not know God. Why? Why do you say that? Well, turn to Romans chapter 1. Hold your finger there in Psalm 79. There's no excuse for anyone who does not know God. Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold, who hold down the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it to them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now you can say this with regard to every human being that doesn't know God, they're without excuse. Creation says God is and he ought to be sought. And if I don't seek the Lord, I'm like these people. Look in verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man. They, they humanize God. Or to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now that's why he says, let your wrath be poured, up, poured upon the heathen who don't know your name. Because they could know your name and reject 
who you are. And he says also in verse 6, those people who have not called upon thy name. I love the scripture, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. These people say, nope, nope. And that's why David says, let your wrath, that's a, that's a powerful statement, but let your wrath, pour out thy wrath upon the heathen that have not known thee and upon the kingdoms that have not called upon thy name. Verse 7, 4, they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his dwelling place. Now, I love the way the Lord's people are called Jacob. Do you remember when Jacob was wrestling with the Lord? Well, the Lord was wrestling with him. Uh, the Lord initiated this, not Jacob. And he brought him down and he said, what's your name? And he answered, Jacob. Heel. Supplanter. Jacob is a deceitful man and that's how he answered the Lord. What's your name, Jacob? But that's when the Lord said, you're no longer Jacob, you're Israel. Gave him a new name. But God's people, I think it's interesting, they're called Jacob, they're called Israel throughout the scriptures. Now, look what he asks. Verse 8. Oh, remember not against us former iniquities. Let thy tender mercy speedily prevent us, for we're brought very low. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of thy name, and deliver us and purge away our sins for thy name's sake. Now, may the Lord put this prayer in the heart of each one of us, even now. Now, he asked for five things in those two verses. And he gives the Lord three arguments why he should have those five things or his ground of wanting those five things. But notice who he's speaking to. Help us, verse 9, O God of our salvation. That's who we're praying to at this time. The God of our salvation. Salvation is of the Lord. That's not cliche. That's reality. Salvation is of the Lord, and he's praying to the God of our salvation. Now look what he asked for in verse 8. Oh, remember not against us former iniquities. Now my marginal reading says the iniquities of them that were before us. Uh, don't let us be held responsible for the sins of our fathers. Well, I'm not too worried about the Lord doing that. Uh, we got enough iniquities of our own that uh, we don't even need to worry much about the iniquities of our fathers. My own iniquities. Remember not against us former iniquities. Now, that's iniquities every iniquity we've committed up to this point. Now, this is what I love about um, forgiveness. He says, remember not. Remember not against us any of these iniquities. Now, I want you to think about this. 
If I'm a believer, when I'm in heaven, and I will be in his presence, basking in his glorious favor, his sunshine, do you know when God looks at me, he will not remember one sin of mine. That's what the scripture says. He will not remember their sins and their iniquities. I will remember no more. And there's only one way that can happen. I have had my throat stretched many times back when I had uh, that esophagectomy and they would give me this serum most of the time to where I would not remember it took place. Paul, what did I call it? You know what I'm talking about. I mean, so would they give it, I would, I would not be all the way under, but when I kind of came back around, <clears throat> I wouldn't remember it. But you know what? I could still, my throat would still feel, I, I knew it happened. I knew it happened. I couldn't remember it. I'm thankful for that drug because if you don't remember it, it's not near as bad, is it? I'm thankful for that drug. But uh, the fact of the matter is I'm still aware of it. That's not the way God's non-remembrance is. The reason he doesn't remember is there's nothing there to remember. The sins have been expunged from the universe. They're gone. I have a history, an accurate history of every event of my life, and it's all good. Now, that's what he's talking about when he says, remember not against us former iniquities. Do you want any, you know, I don't remember what they all are. As a matter of fact, I don't remember most of them. And he's got a perfect memory. And there's nothing there for him to remember. That's what the psalmist is asking for. Remember not against us former iniquities. And then he says in verse 8, let thy tender mercies speedily prevent us. Now that word prevent, if, you know, I, I mean, I could take it as let your mercy prevent me from sinning against you. But that's really not what that word means. That word means go out before me. I don't only want his mercy behind me. I want his mercy in front of me. All the time. And mercy just behind me to... Uh, clean up my mess, that, no, I need mercy before me. God's prevenient grace, grace before grace. Let thy mercy, now that word mercy, it's, a, it's the same word David used when he said, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. And that's the mercy. He says, let that mercy go before me. Let it precede me. I don't want to have a second without his mercy surrounding me. That's what he's saying. Let thy tender mercy speedily prevent us, for we are brought very low. Here's why we need your mercy because we're so low. We're so down. We're so helpless. He doesn't say let your 
mercy come before us because we've done this and we've done that. No, we are very low. Now, what that is talking about is blessed are the what? Poor in spirit. How many times did David say, I'm poor and I'm needy? I'm poor. I don't have anything to bring to the table and I have great needs. Now, this is the psalmist's argument. Do this for us because we've been brought very low. Verse 9, help us. Help us. One of the things I love about the Syrophoenician woman, that's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. In Matthew chapter 15 and Mark chapter 7, the story of the Syrophoenician woman. Now she came to the Lord asking for mercy and the scripture says the Lord answered her not a word. As far as she could tell, he wasn't having anything to do with her. He ignored her. What does she do? She continues to cry for mercy. That didn't stop her. Do you know if you need mercy, nothing will stop you for asking for mercy. Nothing. If that's what you need. She continued. And then he said to her, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she's asking for mercy, and he says in no uncertain terms, I have only come for the elect. That's exactly what that means. I have only come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You know what the scripture says she did? She worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. If you don't help me, I can't be helped. That's where I'm at. If you don't help me, it's over for me. You know, there's nobody that comes to the Lord like that that he turns away. Lord, help me. Help me. Help us, <clears throat> O God of our salvation, and look at his reason, for the glory of thy name. Now, this I'm sure. If the Lord helps me, and saves me and gives me mercy, I will be the biggest trophy of grace in heaven. I will be the biggest proof that salvation really is all of grace. And you know every believer feels that way about themselves. You know, you're the only one that really knows you. Nobody else does, except the Lord. But you know you better than anybody else does. And you know that you will be an absolute trophy of grace, giving God all the glory in your salvation. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of thy name, and deliver us. You know, here's a, here's a good prayer to pray. Deliver me. Deliver me. Well, I don't care what the case. I don't care what the circumstance. I don't care what the sin Deliver me. And purge away our sins for thy name's sake. Now that's purge, that's make atonement for. Cover them. Make them to not 
be. That's what atonement is. Make them to not be and do so for thy name's sake. Not because of anything that I have to say, you ought to do this for me, but do it for your name's sake, for Christ's sake. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, be ye kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. I love this, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That's the only reason God needs. He does it for Christ's sake. Purge away our sins for thy name's sake. Verse 10. Wherefore should the heathen say, where is their God? And that's what the heathen would say when they, you see, the heathen have no love for our God. And when they see us floundering, they say some God they have. Where's their God? They talk big about God. Where is he? Wherefore should the heathen say, where is their God? Let him be known among the heathen in our sight by the revenging of the blood of thy servants, which is shed. Let them know <laughs> by that. Now, verse 11. I, let the sighing of the prisoner come before thee. Now, the only way you can understand that is if you're a prisoner. And the only one who knows anything about being in prison to sin is a believer. An unbeliever doesn't have any understanding of that because they don't understand what sin is. They're okay. Kind of like that uh, Southern Baptist uh, statement that was, this was back years ago. I'm okay, you're okay. Uh, the sighing of the prisoner. I think Paul expresses that so clearly in Romans chapter 7. The good that I would, I do not. I can hear him sigh. The evil that I would not that I do, and I can hear him sigh. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. I can hear him sigh. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. The sigh. You know what it's called? Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they that mourn. Now, someone says, I'm not in any prison. Well, this doesn't mean anything to you then. But this says to a believer, let the sighing of the prisoner come before thee according to the greatness of thy power. Preserve thou those that are appointed to die. Kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. I need preserve, don't you? I need the Lord to preserve me, to cause me to continue in the faith, grounded and settled. I need him to preserve me. And I know the only way I'll be preserved is by the greatness of his power. Verse 12, and render unto our neighbors. That's talking about the people making fun of them. Where's your God? Look, what, look where you're at. I mean, you're, the bodies of your 
uh, people are not even given a burial. Uh, vultures come and pick apart their bodies. And the wild beasts of the earth eat the, the unburied bodies is carrying. Who are you? What kind of God do you have when all this stuff is happening to you? Well, what does the psalmist say? Render unto our neighbors sevenfold unto their bosom their reproach wherewith they have reproached us. Oh, Lord, no, it doesn't say that, does it? It says, render to them sevenfold into their bosom the reproach wherewith they have reproached thee, O Lord. Now this is what the psalmist was grieved at, the reproach of the heathen of his God. He said, render to them sevenfold the reproach wherewith they have reproached thee, O Lord. Verse 13, so we Thy people. You know, God's got a people. They will be to me a people. I'll be to them a God. God's got a people. I love what is said of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save who? His people. His people, what a, what a blessing of grace to be the people of God. If God be for us, who can be against us? His people. So we thy people and sheep of thy pasture, the Lord's my shepherd. Because my shepherd is the Lord, I shall not want. So we thy people and sheep of thy pasture, will give thee thanks forever. There's really only one response. This is the first response to grace. Yes, love. Yes, dedication. Let's see. There's a lot of, that, there's a lot of appropriate responses. But this is the first response. Give thanks give thanks so we thy people the sheep of thy pasture will give thanks forever we will show forth thy praise to all generations the generations following now this is um, one of the one of the many reasons to always have our kids in church they need to hear of his praise of the generations following that's the our children, our grandchildren, their children. I don't know when the Lord's going to come back. I hope today, don't you? Really, really. Don't you hope he comes back today? I do. I, I will be so thrilled if he comes back today. But until he comes back, if we have another 200 years, I hope we're always showing from the generations his praise. His praise. You know, I, wanna, I want to, uh, and I want us all to show forth through all generations his praise he gets all the glory in every aspect of salvation from election to glorification and everything in between that's what we want the generations to hear don't we his praise and that was well, as long as we have some time here on earth may that be our employment to show forth the generations to come his praise it's a wonderful psalm isn't it